Hi, Sam. Hey, Marga. How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I think I'm okay. Okay. I think we've both had kind of hectic weeks, but uh, but now we get to sit down and record yeah. with each other. It's really exciting. We do. What are we talking and about? So, it's kind of quasi in honor of spring break that should spring be break. coming up. <laughs> exactly. Spring break! <laughs> This should be coming up for at least uh, most of our American students pretty soon in the next like week or two. I wanted to talk about vacationing. Okay. A little bit, a little bit about vacationing, but mm-hmm. about a specific d- sort of period specific situation with segregated resorts. Okay. Yeah, yeah in the early 20th century. Um, And there's a bunch of these kinds of things, especially in the U.S. Northeast. So there's all kinds of... This was a a period of these weird little sort of family resorts, right? Kind of a la what you see in, like, Dirty Dancing. Okay, yep, yeah. Right? That kind of deal, but there were all sorts of different ones, kind of all through... The Catskills, Pennsylvania, even out west. These places where the new middle class would go and spend, you know, either just a week or up to the entire summer in these little rural cottages and these little kind of self-contained communities. And the specific ones that I want to talk about are a kind of interesting, interesting phenomenon of specifically black resorts Mm. in the Northeast. There's a a whole bunch of them. And like, if you go to the Library of Congress and you look up like photos of people vacationing, there's a a whole bunch from these specific resorts for the black community. And they spring up, especially in rural New York, Mm -hmm. because of the influx to New York City with the Great Migration, mm-hmm. but also the Harlem Renaissance. Okay, so we're talking about starting in like the late 19-teens, early 1920s? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, so this is a this is the beginning of this situ- this whole uh, the, the situation that leads to the like explosion of these kinds of resorts. And I mean, we're not talking about like a ton, especially not when compared to those that were serving white communities. Mm-hmm. But the situation that results in these specific resorts goes back to just after the Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this period of reconstruction where which is the the period of time just after the Civil War, where the federal government, which was at that time based in the quote unquote north, that was going in and essentially rebuilding southern communities Mm -hmm. right so there was this period where the federal government essentially was micromanaging all of these communities in the south Mm -hmm. this was a period where you see a lot of the first like black congress people um things like that which happened in like the 1870s And there's like a lot of representation, people buying land, start making money, developing intergenerational wealth in a way that obviously isn't possible when you're not being paid for the labor that you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. basic things like that. 
But shortly after that, in the 1880s and 1890s, there's the U.S. government, the federal government, you know, sort of overhauls itself every two to four years. And by that point in time, there was enough backlash from Southern white communities that the federal government packed up and left. Reconstruction Mm -hmm. was a failed project for way more reasons than we have time to talk about here but essentially we can just say it it didn't work super great in the long run and what happens then as soon as this like kind of micromanaging part of this project is over white communities that still held a majority of the power and especially educated power decided to start chipping away at any rights that had been codified for their black neighbors right. um, and sort of reinstituting on a, a social level and eventually on a legal level, as, as if not actual servitude, then at least segregation between the white communities and their black neighbors. And, and that's the system what, we call Jim Crow, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So Jim yeah, Crow, yeah. Jim Crow is usually used to refer to the, the talking about the 20th century when these things do become codified. Mm. So starting in the uh, following reconstruction, it is mostly sort of like social norms Mm -hmm. and people in power just refusing without having legal backing, uh, refusing to give access to spaces or access to voting rights or any of these things um, without the like legal backing to black citizens but after the 20th century it does become in a lot of states a a codified system of segregation Mm -hmm. and that's where you get things like the literacy tests for voting and these other specific legal codes that prevent people from having full access to their citizenship rights Mm -hmm. so when this really starts in the at the turn of the century, right? Mm-hmm. Like we said before, in the 19-teens especially, the 1920s, as this starts to become codified into law, a lot of Black families are like, this this ain't it. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can't stay here anymore. Mm-hmm. And they leave. The uh, reparations that were promised under Reconstruction were not granted. This is the, like, 40 acres and the mule mm-hmm thing that like you were supposed to be able to actually start making money off of the land that your family had been working for generations and then none of these families were actually granted the means to own land or to make money from working it mm-hmm. part of that whole system is the sharecropping system we won't get into that but because of that they leave the rural south and go to the urban north chicago Uh, Detroit and New York City are the main destinations. Toronto and Montreal are secondary, sort of, uh, if you can get to Canada. But this is also in the period of the white Canada policy. So, Mm. But mainly it's Chicago, Detroit, and New York. um, And it's a mass exodus. Really, anybody who has the means to leave their home and start again somewhere else does so and this is a really dangerous prospect because especially for people black people who are traveling can be really dangerous if you're moving through a town that isn't familiar with you this is a period of in super intense racial violence Mm -hmm. 
And this is known as the Great Migration. Mm -hmm. And coming off of that influx into uh, cities like New York and a boroughs like Harlem, this is where you get the Harlem Renaissance. And the Harlem Renaissance is a big cultural phenomena where black people in these urban environments are having access to higher education and cultural institutions in a way that they didn't before and making new cultural institutions for themselves in these urban areas where they have access to resources. And this is a period... And enough, you know, just political and social and economic freedom to have the leisure time to do these things, right? Yeah. So that's a big, that's a big thing that this is the period of time where this is the first generation of black Americans who are growing up, like coming of age in a family that has enough resources to make sure that they're educated, make sure they can get middle-class jobs and are not working to death right um and so this is the first sort of quote-unquote middle class generation for black america Mm -hmm. and it's the first generation that has access to leisure time and this becomes part of a really political movement Mm -hmm. so i know for like as a white person Mm -hmm. vacationing other than like environmental stuff is does not feel like a political act Mm -hmm. but especially in this period i mean it is still today for people of color but especially in this period political activists and racial activists cultural activists were having huge conversations about what it meant to recreate Mm -hmm. and this is this is especially true because recreation is something that is often public in a way that if you are not marginalized in some way, you don't think about, mm-hmm. right? Going to a park, going to a resort, going to a restaurant, mm-hmm. all of these things that we do for leisure are out in public where other people see you. Mm-hmm. And this was a huge conversation point because how a lot of the things that were going on with the legal movement around making Jim Crow right an actual series of laws was around what it was that black people were allowed to be in America mm-hmm. and for most white people it was servants mm-hmm. and so it was fine for black men to be waiters in a restaurant it was not okay for them to be patrons mm-hmm. it was okay for them to be bellhops in a hotel but not to stay in the hotel right yeah yeah. right and there were discussions about in the the political discussions really come to focus on what do we as a community right as a black community how do we want white folks essentially to see us in order to further our cause for full integration into american society and so you have a whole bunch of different camps, but there are essentially two kind of poles to this. And one is we shouldn't be taking a bunch of time and like trying to go and see Mount Vernon or going to national parks or doing any of these things. We need to be seen at universities and in libraries and doing these things that we were told we physically don't have the capacity to do. Right. Which on the one hand, like, yes, that's great. Like, 
go to university. Yeah, yeah go to university. You should, you to should, if you yeah. want to go to university, go to university. And, you know, this is the period when, like, uh, Morehouse and Howard yeah. and the HBCUs, which I always get those letters confused, yeah. but <laughs> uh, are the historically black colleges and universities are founded, mm-hmm. become some of the, like, most influential universities in North America, produce some of the most famous and important thinkers of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum are people who are like, we have a right to enjoy the land that we have worked. We yeah. have a right to go to the resorts and do all of the things that our white neighbors are doing. Mm-hmm. We have money and funds and time and we should be able to go. And so one of these places that becomes really contentious is Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. It, in this, in the early 20th century, the late 19th, early 20th century, it becomes this big sort of tourist destination. Mm-hmm. There's a big fascination with George Washington. And there's like, there's a river nearby and like a ferry boat and all of these sorts of things that you can do. They... And, and just because I'm not an American, remind me what Mount Vernon is. Mount Vernon, <laughs> right. Sorry. Yeah. Mount Vernon is the historic home of George Washington. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it was a plantation in Virginia. Right. right. And so that becomes, and it becomes really contentious, right? So this ferry boat that goes sort of around the area and there's some other places, there's like a trolley or something that goes to Monticello, which is the home of, and plantation Uh, (laughs) both all of these all of these historic uh homes of founding fathers are plantations home is a euphemism (laughs) yes yeah so the the monticello i think it has like a a train or something that sort of takes you around it i don't and and monticello is from jefferson yeah it's jefferson yeah and in this period so there was a lot of it, it becomes a sort of like big tourist spot and this new black middle class is like, oh, we should go to these places that our neighbors are going to. And the infrastructure for these spaces, they start instituting new policies where like African-Americans aren't allowed on this ferry boat that goes along this river near Mount Vernon, or you're not allowed on this trolley that goes around the lands of Jefferson. Right. And even like at Harper's Ferry, (laughs) <laughs> which is a right. which is a, an American <laughs> like cultural landmark because it was the site of a slave revolt. Yeah. Like they start all of these things, it starts becoming really contentious because you can't access like picnic tables even at Mount Vernon or at Harpers Ferry or at Harpers Ferry, which yeah, is yeah. like which is crazy and, and Mount and Mount Vernon also like that's that's that is a place that only exists and Mm. operated because of the unpaid labor of enslaved black people. So like not allowing this first generation of born into freedom, black Americans to not sit at a picnic table is pretty fucked up. So in this space where like now for the first generation has access to leisure time and mm-hmm. the funds to recreate in a way that their mid- other middle-class neighbors of, I can't say any race, oh, <laughs> their white neighbors mm-hmm. c- could do. It's so political and incredibly stressful to be seen in all of these places. And that's where these 
specifically black resorts come up. So there's a few that I've looked at uh, for other projects Mm -hmm. throughout the Catskills. They're really interesting spaces. A lot of them are farms that like family farms that are then bought by people moving to New York City Mm -hmm. in the Great Migration. And they become these sort of fascinating uh, summer spaces for the new black literati. So like at one of them, it was like the summer vacation spot of the first black doctor, medical doctor Hmm. uh, in New York State. And like people like Langston Hughes and Zora Neale Hurston and like this whole community would like, right, it was a for this class it was normal to leave the city in the summer the city Mm -hmm. is disgusting in the summer even in modern times and without like all of the amenities of modern life like 21st century life uh, it was worse yeah so you would leave and get to cooler spaces go up into the mountains and these places became this sort of like haven for specifically this community and it's one of the first instances and recorded instances that we have of black Americans like enjoying the landscape of North America, like going on boats and, you know, in the winter, these were, they had skiing and cross country skiing and stuff like this, which is really fascinating. And these places don't exist anymore. Like they're not functioning resorts anymore. Mm -hmm. They're mostly just like, they're back to being family farms. And that really has to do with the effects of, 20th century choices in really instituting cracking down on these Jim Crow laws starting in the 30s the 20s and 30s and the economic effects of that on the descendants of these people that we're talking about right Um, how much more difficult it becomes after this generation for people to maintain status in a class that can ensure leisure time which Again, we, we don't have enough time here to talk about how like everyone should have access to leisure time and should be making a wage that allows them to take a vacation. Of course. <laughs> we're talking but, about an economic reality, not <laughs> we're not yeah. trying to get utopian here. So, yeah. yeah. So like it it became significant after the, the 30s, even in places like New York, where there was rampant redlining and the options for this two i think generations of middle class black americans to hold on to the wealth in the way that uh white americans are able to hold on to and Mm. pass down wealth and ensure that their children have a better financial future than they do that became significantly and significantly harder and the access to services and resources and the ability to leave the city and all of these sorts of things um, became compounded, led to the eventual closing of these resorts and also to these stereotypes that we have now about who gets to enjoy landscape, right? right? Who gets to enjoy the yeah. great outdoors you our, know? or our, even like swimming pools and things right. like who who can swim yeah that's a stereotype that like is results from a lack of access in urban areas and the inability to afford to leave urban areas right right, right. yeah our stereotype of what a, a hiker is looks like mm-hmm. me a beardy white dude right yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I love and, a good hike, but. <laughs> and part of that is because um, you, you can do what you know, mm-hmm. what you can see, what you can, you imagine. can learn to do. Yeah. Right. And if, and this is totally possible for this, these two generations, essentially it's basically two generations of people who are able to, when a lot of these like resorts are opening and new sort of games and leisure activities in these sort of like quasi rural areas are being, that's when they're being developed, right? You know, sort of like badminton Mm -hmm. is a relatively new game and these kinds of like leisure boating with motorized boats and, you know, like mountain climbing and all of these things that were super popular in the Shawanagunks, all of that's really being developed into like what we know it is now in this period. And so it's easy to gain access to it. But once Jim Crow really becomes codified, once redlining becomes a major policy throughout all of North America, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder now to gain access to the knowledge that you need to even start on any of those activities, much less gain the financial freedom to be able to actually enjoy and access them, right? And so it's super easy for me to imagine a vacation where, (laughs) you know, where we go out into the woods and like go on a boat and go fishing or tubing you know where you have like the inner yeah, tube yeah, pulled yeah, behind yeah, the yeah. boat of course, of course, of water course. skiing or winter skiing alpine skiing any of those things because i did those things growing up mm-hmm. but if you didn't have access to that because of systematic oppression right on a like very clear governmental level it's very hard to imagine like starting any of those activities in your limited leisure time yeah. So I think it's really fascinating this like cycle of yeah of oppression even in things like vacationing because we had this moment where things were moving toward actual equality in t- terms of who has access to the landscape and activities that exist in North America right yeah. we have like unbelievably beautiful landscape and especially in new york it's like it's gorgeous the catskills have any sort of outdoor activity you could possibly want to do Mm -hmm. you can do it there right but now most kids of color in new york city have never left the five boroughs and haven't seen more trees clustered together than in like central park Mm. And don't have access or knowledge to be able to, like, get, I mean, it's a train right away to get to, like, Beacon, where a lot of these things are, Mm -hmm. and where some of these resorts were just outside of Beacon. You know, it's like, it's not even a 90-minute train ride. Mm -hmm. But, like, the access, if you go up to any of those trails, like you said, it's going to be people who look like you and me Mm -hmm. on all of these trails. And... There's a lot of work to be done there, I guess. It's, and but, are people doing that work? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> some some people are. I'm. You're a historian. I'm sure you can't speak <laughs> to the the contemporary activist stuff now um, to, to the same extent. Not. Yeah. Not to the same extent. There are a lot of people in land conservation who are doing a lot of work in. You know, you can't 
sort of equitably talk about conservation if you're not talking about who can access the land that you're trying to conserve, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of land conservation in the past has been like explicitly racist. Mm-hmm. And so sort of undoing that for those organizations is a big part of like their new missions um, going into like the 21st century. And there's a lot of organizations in in inner cities that are working to like take kids out into the woods, you know, mm-hmm. in like a not cre- it sounds no, like not yeah, take yeah, these yeah, kids yeah, out yeah, into yeah, the yeah. woods. No, but like you know, take them out into like the will into wilderness to like experience wilderness and yeah. to like learn how to do a lot of these activities. But like we said before, a lot of this came down to economic equality. Mm-hmm. There, because this was a period in between Reconstruction and Jim Crow being actually codified, mm-hmm. uh, people were able to sort of move through this nebulous space where they were able to get paid what their labor was worth right. and make money and buy houses that were still considered valuable uh, and get mortgages. You know, this was a, a sort of nebulous period where you could be a black congressperson, which mm-hmm. obviously you can do that again, but like... <laughs> mm-hmm. The, in terms of like gener- generations, yeah. uh, it has like there is a full century between the people who are able to do that at the turn of the 20th century and the people who are doing it now. Yeah. So yeah. like a lot of this is it does just come down to leisure time and access to land is economic justice. Yeah, that's all economic justice. Yeah. yeah. But also it who who is going to be harassed by park rangers who is going to be trusted with renting a boat mm-hmm. so yeah when especially if you're a white person out on vacation and are like on you know a public beach in a national park or something and looking around like don't be that person who's like those people don't look like they should be there mm-hmm. because you think that they don't look like they should be there because they haven't been allowed to be there before. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so this yeah. is all very, very fascinating. Can I just ask a couple questions about the actual yeah. spaces of these black resorts? Mm-hmm. So first of all, you said that you have looked at a couple of them. Can you just name yeah. where these places were? Um, so the big one that I definitely know off the top of my head, hold on. Is um is, was known as Snowdale Farm. Cool. There's a few others, including one that functionally became like its own town, like it has a cemetery. Uh, cool. The cemetery is called Lawson. Okay. Let me just pull it up. Do, do, do. Oh, the resort was called Larksburg, um, but it functioned under a few different names. Hmm. So those are two of them, and like you can find all of these like really cool newspaper articles about them like they would list in the there were a couple of black newspapers in harlem that had like society pages similar right. to like yeah, 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 the new york yeah, yeah. times now yeah, you know absolutely. like the society pages yeah. and so people were like listed as like what they were doing for the summer and where they were going and like at snowdale farm they would have like these salons you know like where people would like do poetry readings or talk about like news uh medical discoveries that they were making there were a bunch of attorneys who would go and spend the summers there so like it would be is listed in the society pages as like so and so and like attorney so and so and his wife like mrs whatever like attended a salon at you know this resort at larksburg or whatever 
Can I can I ask an, a question about the economics <laughs> of the resort itself? Yeah. So who who was buying this land and how were the resorts operated? Were they just private farms and you had to know the right guy and you'd be invited as a guest? Or were they run as hotels where you could rent rent yeah. rooms or rent cabins or yeah. Yeah, so it was um so they were private farms. So it was mostly what I can glean <laughs> yeah. from all of this stuff is that um it was private farms that individual families bought. Mm. Um, but then they ran them like these summer camps um, right. that were super popular for white folks, like, white folks yeah, this throughout is very similar. Yeah, yeah. the 20th century, right? So in the sa- it, it literally is operating the same way as like what you see in Dirty Dancing, right? They had all these little cabins. They had a little um, boathouse that had like boats that you could take out onto the Hudson River, onto creeks and stuff that were like around, um, depending on which one we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I think Snowdale has a lake okay. uh, there. And yeah, and then they would have like a sort of bigger building that would have like where you would eat dinner and there's like pianos and, and stuff there. So it is, I mean, it is, it's in, it's on the other side of the river from the Catskills. So it's not exactly, (laughs) it's literally across the river from where the fictitious resort in Dirty Dancing is, but it's a 1920s version of that. Okay. Okay. Well, that is very interesting. Uh, That is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else to compare it to other than than Dirty Dancing. It's super famous and like. Yeah, there, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff. With the resort in Dirty Dancing is a Jewish resort. And yes, I think there's it is, yeah. a, there's a there's a there's another huge history there too with like exactly and very similar there. about you know this migration into the cities of the yep. East Seaboard and then you need to get out of the cities in the summer so you can at least mm-hmm. send the kids out and your yeah. wife out for the summer and then yeah yeah and in yeah. a sim and in a similar way there's a level of segregation there exactly where like exactly. you have to be yeah. a lot of these yeah. a lot of the white resorts are linked to country clubs. Mm-hmm that are affiliated with clubs in the city and for a lot of waspy clubs right you really it's really leaning hard on that p part yeah. of wasp you yeah. have to be a white protestant yeah. Yeah. so yeah it 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 is yes really similar to yeah. dirty dancing yeah. so yeah anyway cool. if you're going on spring break think about economic and racial justice while you're out there i don't know doing shots or whatever it is keep kids do these days yeah. on spring break yeah <laughs> anyway spring break <laughs> yeah thanks for taking a break with baba yaga hey it's break time hey yeah, hey it's break hey. time spring break time <laughs> bye guys this baba yaga break time was brought to you by patreon supporters just like you follow us at baba yaga project on twitter instagram facebook and tiktok